as Mother's Day is coming around, oh, I find I'm missing my mom more and more. And there's always questions and stories I wish I had asked her when she was still here. I do remember that I gave her a book once upon a time with questions for her to write the answers to. And bless her heart, she didn't answer very many. So that was really a disappointment. But fast forward to now and technology. And now we have mylifeinabook.com. It takes all those questions and stories and it puts it in a format that is sent to your person, whoever you designate, on a regular basis so that the prompts come, they're easily answered either written or voice to text, and they're captured by mylifeinabook.com. These family stories, this legacy that you want to leave for your children and your grandchildren. Mylifeinabook.com, create an unforgettable gift for your mom, your dad, your children this Mother's Day. Use our coupon code ONBOYS for 10% off. Go to mylifeinabook.com and use ONBOYS for 10% off. Create that legacy. Carry on those stories. Hello and welcome to ONBOYS, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men, the podcast that explores and explains boy behavior. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison. Join us as we discuss some of the most compelling issues facing boys today. Our goal is to equip you with the information and support you need to help today's boys grow into healthy, happy men. Dear listeners, Jen and I want to share with you a resource that will help you have all the sex talks, all the healthy relationship talks, and that comes from Amy Lang of Birds and Bees and Kids. And what better way than to let her tell you about it? So I have a solution to your sex talks questions. It's called the Birds and Bees Solution Center. And if you're thinking, yikes, I don't know how to do this. I'm behind. The thought of this makes me want to run for the hills. I've got your back. You'll become confident and comfortable quickly. You're going to know what's coming next so you can prepare and be comfortable talking with your boys. You'll stop feeling clueless and awkward and embarrassed when you are thinking about having the talks or actually having the talks. And you'll also become your boys go to person when it comes to this topic. They really need you, especially these days. It's available 24 seven. So if you're having a sex talk emergency, which is a real thing, or you just want to plan ahead and get ready for the conversations, this is the place to go. And here's what's in it. So first of all, it's a really easy to use resource. It's standalone. It's there all the time. You'll get uh, one, a couple of the most, I think, important things are there is a video that is about what they need to know at each age and stage. So you can see like where you need to go and maybe where you need to get caught up. And also it prevents you from giving them too much information. There's a video called Poison Porn, Your Kids in Porn. Your boys will be exposed to pornography and this will help you navigate that with them and also get some information for yourself so you feel more comfortable and confident. 
And then the last thing that I really love is that I have curated age by age, kids safe videos and books. So these are videos you can watch with your kiddos, books you can read with them. So you don't have to worry, like, is this okay for my kid at this age? I've already done that work for you. You need help. It's all here. And your kids depend on you for everything, including this. And because I am a super fan of On Boys, I actually have a special deal for you all. So if you use the discount code On Boys, you'll get 15% off the one-time payment. It's a one-time payment of $69. Go to birdsandbeescourse.com. And now On Boys. So often we carry around this notion of who boys are, rough and tumble, sports-minded, video game aficionados, but what if your boy isn't exactly that? What if your boy is what we would maybe categorize as sensitive? He may be more emotionally expressive than other boys around him, crying easily, feeling pain and sorrow deeply. Or he may be sensitive physically, not being so interested in wrestling and roughhousing and participating in vigorous outdoor activities. He might be happier inside with a book. So what about the sensitive boy? Parents worry that the world is going to steamroller over their sensitive boy. Our guest today, Dr. Sandy Gluckman, has been with us before when we discussed boys and anxiety. And we just knew we had to have her back to talk about sensitive boys and how to support them to be their best in a world that may not always feel in sync with them. Welcome, Sandy. Thank you, Janet and Jen. I am so glad to be here again. I love chatting with you. Thank you, as as do we. As you were doing your intro, Janet, you took me back. I was thinking about my oldest son, who will be 23 by the time this episode airs, feeling pain and sorrow deeply. I mean, you could just see him absorb it and he music and emotions and he could pick up on emotions in a room. And um, yeah, he liked to be outside, but he was also my inside read a book kid more than any of my other boys have been. And I know I'm a sensitive person, but I hadn't seen it in this form before. And then to watch this sensitive child grow and try and navigate his way in a world that does not value those traits often in males, it's been, it's been interesting. As, as parents, you, you want to protect your son from hurt. Mm-hmm. You walk this line between, should I tell him to toughen up? The world is hurting him. Then you see him sometimes take on this persona to protect himself. It's hard. Mm. Sandy, how can we, uh, first off, how do we begin to recognize if maybe this is an issue in our homes, in our families? How do we know if we might have a sensitive boy? You know, Jen, thank you for sharing that. I almost cried. (laughs) And um, it was very touching. So sensitive boys are very, very special human beings. They really are. The problem is that the society and teachers and parents don't value that sensitivity and tend to see it as a weakness. Mm-hmm. And they get anxious about it. But the truth is that being sensitive in that way 
um, emotionally sensitive, tuning into energies around you, feeling other people's um, pain and sorrow and wanting to, to, to uh, take it away from them. All of that is a huge gift. The problem is that it, it can feel like a burden for a young child. It can feel like a burden for a grown-up. I am 48 years old. I was a sensitive child. I am still a sensitive adult. I have had numerous people, including therapists, try to convince me that, you know, this is part of your gift in your world. This is part of your genius. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of making my life really tough. Yes, yes, it would. And and I was just thinking about what you said, Jen, about um, your son picking up on other people's feelings. I know with myself as well, I can go to a restaurant with my husband. We are sitting down, getting ready to have a glass of wine and something wonderful to eat. And the next thing, a few tables down there, I'm picking up a lot of pain. Yeah. And I say to my husband, oh, my goodness, that lady is in such pain. He goes, what are you talking about? So, you know, as you said, you're 48 and it's a burden. Um, but we do need to be able to know that um, it is a gift. Really know it and know how to use it as a mm -hmm. gift. Otherwise, the burdensome part of it will take over. Right. So we need to, to answer your question uh, more directly. Jen, as parents, we need to become aware that um, this boy of ours, this son of ours, is um, sensitive. How do we do that? Well, we will notice that he is picking up on a lot of energies around him. He's talking about other people's feelings. He, he's, he's aware of the uh, energetic vibrations in a room or between people. So his, his conversations will be different. He will be speaking about those things with, which other children don't even recognize or see so they, they are not tuned into that and truly at the end of the day what we really are saying is that this young boy is a an empath mm -hmm. we I know that what happens is that parents want the child to be so-called um, socially defined male strong and that boy can be that can be strong can be a strong young boy and at the same time can be sensitive. For me, a huge important piece of this is how the parent, first of all, is, is um, perceptive enough to pick it up early. And secondly, how the parent defines it. And thirdly, how the parent will actually deal with it so that it is converted into a gift as early as possible. Mm -hmm. I can see already the um, the dynamic of a family that it perhaps or and maybe likely and you tell me likely one of the parents is leans towards a sensitive nature. And so now you have a child of two parents that one's one one gets that child one because there's that sensitivity sensitivity and Jen I imagine that may have happened in your family and the other parent is man up completely no yep, yep. 
And so there you start set off this dynamic already of maybe, and well, let's just say it's the mom that's extra sensitive that, you know, now they have this boy that's sensitive and there's a connection and a bond and an understanding. And, and as you said, Jen, a, a desire to protect this boy and to, you know, if we can just nurture this beautiful empathy that they do have. I mean, what a gift to the world, right? You know, I mean, it can be, and I know you're going to say, ah, but. I think we need to recognize that even uh, some of the other parental responses, and in this scenario, say the dad who may not really get it and his response or first thought might be toughen up, man up. That too can be born of a desire to protect because it's this desire to try and shape the boy to fit in a way that is considered socially acceptable according to you know the lessons that he the dad may have learned himself so Mm -hmm. it sandy it's a family issue at this point it so is a family issue and let's look at the scenario that janet created Uh, it can be the other way around often but um, funnily enough it's mostly the way janet created it and um what we're really seeing is that, first of all, the child is picking up the um, maybe conflict or mm. disagreement between mm-hmm. the parents about mm-hmm. him. About him. And, and that causes him discomfort. Um, it starts to cause him to think, what's wrong? What's wrong with me? There's something yeah. wrong with me. Mommy sees me this way. Daddy sees me this way. They're not agreeing about me. Why? What's happening? What am I doing that's wrong? And then... Also, what he's picking up, apart from the, the, the disagreement about how to handle it, he's also picking up their anxiety mm-hmm. about my child. My child is so anxious. I'm, I mean, so sensitive. Because <laughs> and, remember, we're talking about a sensitive child who can pick up energy and emotions. So all kids do this to a certain extent. This child is even more attuned to absolutely. it. Absolutely. So um, the anxiety of the parent around the issue of I have a sensitive boy is actually changing and shaping the child's brain chemically. So the child is picking up on the anxiety. The anxiety of the parents will shape the child's brain in terms of the messages that he's getting but also will alter the neurochemicals in the child's brain to match the neurochemicals of anxiety in the parent's brain. We don't want that. No, we we don't. We don't. Because now we have this beautiful, wonderful, gifted child who's not liking who he is uh, and certainly not seeing who he is as a gift. And we have a household full of anxiety. And as you well know, and we have all learned through this pandemic, most groups of people don't function well when they are under anxiety. We're not at our best. No, not at all. And, you know, the interesting thing is one needs to ask the question of how come my son is uh, so sensitive? Uh, Whereas as maybe another one of my children Mm-hmm. Another boy is not, mm-hmm. or look around, and there are lots of other children who are not sensitive, like my son. Now, where did that come from? And this is a, an important conversation, but at the same time, it's really a hard one for me to to share because I want everyone who's listening to know that there is no judgment, no blame, no shame. 
The truth of the matter is, though, that when we have an anxious mom, um, a stressed mom during pregnancy, that then already causes anxiety or mostly really not anxiety, mm-hmm. causes the stress mm-hmm. um, hormones in the fetus. And the child is then born with a sensitive nature because of the stress in the womb. So they're, they're quite literally, this can be a family trait. This is part of the way that uh, trauma can be yes. passed on through the generations and can have uh, ripple effects for years after whatever the precipitate, the original precipitating event was. Exactly right. It is a generational issue. Now, that's helpful for me, big picture, and it's interesting, but this information wouldn't have been helpful for me when this son of mine was five years old and he was in kindergarten and he was struggling in kindergarten, not academically. He was, if anything, he was bored, which was a different problem. He was struggling on the playground because I have this little boy who is an empath, like you said, he's sensitive. He picks up emotions. He also is very much a rule follower at that point. A lot of five-year-old boys are not. So when you're the kid who can pick up the emotions that's going on and you're sensitive to all these things, including, you know, your teacher's emotions about rules and what's going on on the playground. And you're surrounded by other boys who aren't tuned into that because that's just how they're wired, which is fine. That can cause social stress and difficulty that we parents see as our kids struggling, our kid being excluded. What do we do about that, Sandy? Yes. So this is such an amazing point you're bringing up. The one thing we need to, first of all, um, teach these children is that they need to learn to own their own feelings, but not the feelings of others. So we teach them, this is your feeling and you validate it. It's really okay for you to have this feeling. However, that feeling of sadness that you're feeling from David out there is not yours. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to pick it up. Certainly Mm -hmm. you can have some uh, empathy or compassion for David, but it should not change your energy or change the way you feel about yourself or what you're doing. So it's it's interesting because this concept is a tough one, you know, to say what's mine and what's not mine. Mm-hmm. and to teach children to recognize what's mine and what's not mine. But interestingly enough, teaching sensitive children this is easy because they get it. Yeah. You know, try and teach oh. that to a child who's not sensitive and he, he will look at you like, what? <laughs> but these children kind of intuitively understand it, but nobody explained to them that they don't have to own the the sadness and the pain of other people they can feel for them and comfort them, but it, they don't have to own it. Where were wow. you 40 years ago, Sandy? <laughs> this is so, I mean, this is for adults too. We're still trying to learn this lesson as sensitive adults and empaths and recognizing that probably no one's ever said to us, hey, own own your own feelings. You don't have to own the feelings in the room of the woman in the restaurant that's that's having issues. You know, and this goes back to circles around to conversations that Jen and I often have of 
your kids are smarter than you may give them credit for, and they do want to know. And if we can mm. explain to them in an age appropriate way, hey, here's what's going on for you. You have such a big heart. You have, you know, I just feel like it's like every cell in your, in your being is open to the world and it's okay to put a cloak around you or somehow, Ooh. you know, protect that beautiful self that you are. You don't have to take in the whole world. And, and one of my questions to you then is how do we protect them from the outside world and I'm thinking of just like all the barrage of images and media and video games and like I just kind of picture it as an assault on this sensitive being that's soaking up everything. It sure is and the way we protect them is is different to what you may hear from other people because you know my work is based on neuroscience and on the fact that we uh, need to deal with healing or um, growing children, uh, uh, growing resilient children, we need to do it from the inside out. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S. made infant formula to use organic grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin and I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve and I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. And you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good and they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y, dot 
Easy Melts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash on boys. Not from the outside in. And so the way we protect them is that we start to strengthen their inner core as early as possible. I recommend uh, having a, um, a board, um, which you even show the children. Uh, it's a kind of just a project board. And we put the photo of the kid in the middle. And then we put all, and make it very creative. A lot of sensitive children are creative and they love the creativity. So all around there, we put the marvelous characteristics of this child which are not all related to being sensitive. You know, he's, he's mm-hmm. other things. He's funny, he's uh, musical, he's uh, helpful, you know, whatever it may be. And we spend as much of our conversational time with these children pointing out, I really love the way you helped your friend today with um, his homework. You, you are just such a helpful, caring person. It's beautiful. Or... You make me laugh. I love the way you make me laugh. You make me happy when you make me laugh. And people love being with people who make them laugh. So people will always gravitate towards you. So we have these conversations where we are helping to define who they are so that they're not defined by being sensitive and feeling like they can hardly cope because sensitive boys, kids, adults, Um, No, but I mean children, really. Sensitive children don't know what to do with all the flood of information that they're picking up, all that energetic stuff, which is never, mostly not happy stuff. So they don't know what to do with it. it. It just feels overwhelming. But if we can strengthen them from the inside out, that they have this strong inner core. Um, then we don't have to worry about sensitive children. They will be remarkable. I like that uh, approach because you also are bringing out the fact that sensitive doesn't have to be the label, the defining trait. So often um, the fear partly is that these children are fragile mm. and you know that they, they almost need this protective bubble. And certainly we don't want the world to harm them, but the way to do that isn't by sheltering them. It's by building up all these other aspects as well. It's embracing who the child is. Sensitive is part of it, but it is only part of it. Uh, I love that. Yes. Embracing the totality of who the child is. Uh, Characteristic by characteristic. Not the kind of characteristics you dream the child will have. (laughs) It do have to be the characteristics you have seen your Mm -hmm. child display and that you can point to at any time when the child is doing that and you can say that is such a wonderful part of who you are. Janet, when you were in the classroom, um, do you have any boys that stood out to you as uh, sensitive boys? For instance, sometimes, you know, a sensitive child will respond very differently to the same exact feedback on an assignment uh, that a different child might just go, hmm, whatever. I can think I actually several boys come to mind right now and and uh, interestingly one comes to mind very sensitive very well liked by his peers and uh, he is now a grown man and he is an EMT so he spends his life out there helping people who are in crisis 
And I can't think of a better person to do that. And the sensitive mm. qualities that he showed as a boy, mm. you know, are just uh, am amplified as a man. And, you know, we need that. We need that caring, sensitive being to be out there taking care of us. And so shout out to Colin, my EMT. <laughs> Oh, that's so nice. And the thing is that um, there's either we're overprotecting them or we're trying to toughen them up. Right. And neither of those things are helpful at all. Mm -hmm. So, you know, parents will always ask me as a doctor, Sandy, shouldn't I just force him to just try and join a football team? Because he will love it. I know he will love it once he gets started. I'm sure it'll be fun and he'll see he can do it. Um, I, I, should I just force him to do it? What do you no, tell them? I tell them, no, 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 please don't do that at all because all you're doing is um, raising the stress hormones and um, increasing his fear of failure. And because he will be stressed and fearful, he will not be good on the team. So mm -hmm. you will unfortunately prove to him that he can't do it because mm -hmm. of your intense, our intense desire to see them do it and get on a team or do this thing we want them to do. So forcing them is not a good option at all. And protecting them is also not. Knowing them and seeing them for the magic of who they are and bringing it out in conversations over and over and over again, obviously authentically from, this, from the heart of you, will um, heal them and create a very strong um, inner core that this boy can go into the world with while at the same time retaining the gift of sensitivity. I am going to unabashedly use our podcast for some personal advice, Janet, if you don't mind. I think it might help other families as well. So that sensitive son of mine, he got to be about 11, which is a very tough age anyway for boys. You know, we've talked about this before. It's that time of transition. It's pre-adolescence. And we decided, you know, to throw a little bit more drama in there. We got divorced, blew up his world. Talk about stress hormones. This happened. Um, but what is interesting to me is in the course of all of that, adolescence, a family crisis, the child who was one of the most sensitive human beings that I knew in the world, who could feel the energy and emotion in a room just by walking in, um, has become a not very empathetic young adult. Hmm. And I wonder if some of this is self-protection, if some of this is him just putting up walls, you know, I, and I, I'm asking this on the podcast because I have a feeling that there are other families who see this as well, who may have had a sensitive young boy who, as he goes through adolescence and puberty, decides it's not worth it. And he puts up all these walls and, you know, becomes, and I'm putting air quotes around that, becomes the, the tough guy. Is that, is that a thing? And what would you advise to parents who maybe are concerned that they see something like this happening with their once very sensitive son? Hmm. And, it, you know, that does happen pretty often. It's almost at a point where the child says, as, as you said, 
the, this is not working for me. I, I don't like this feeling and I'm not going to allow myself to have it any longer. Um, unfortunately, that decision is taken from a, um, from a place of weakness rather than from a place of strength. So it's really a decision that is taken um, from stress. It's a stress-laden decision. And when we make decisions because we are stressed about something, we will either make a decision that takes us into fight or into flight or into freeze. Sure. And so his decision is flat freeze. Yes. If I feel something, I'm not going to let myself feel it for anyone. And um, unfortunately, when you switch off your feelings for everyone else, you switch off your feelings for yourself as well. So it's a stress laden, it's a stress hormonal decision. And um, so what would you advise to uh, parents who may be concerned that this is happening, for instance, with their adolescent son? Hmm. They may see that their, their once very sensitive child is now almost the opposite and very at a distance and doesn't let himself feel anything. It certainly doesn't ex express any awareness or concern for other people. Whereas once, you know, he cared about everything in the universe. Mm, mm. So, you know, the way, first of all, as I said, um, if the parent has not been doing it already, mm -hmm. the, it, um, in other words, strengthening the child from the inside, it's never too late to start that, never, ever. And secondly, I have to say for a second, I've been working on that with myself mm. <laughs> since we last talked, mm. you know, making a conscious effort to these are my positive qualities and recognizing them in myself. So never too late to start. Absolutely. I'm still doing it and I'm twice your age, nearly. <laughs> you are not <laughs> twice my age. Well, I'm, I'm pretty much older. So. <laughs> um, it's never too late to start that. Uh, and, you know, funnily enough, even if parents started in the pre-adolescent or the teenage years, or even in the early 20s, when the child's in the early 20s, it's almost like um, the nervous system has been waiting to hear Hmm. who I am and but from parents it's, I need to hear it from these people who are the closest people to me in the world and when I get that validation if it's a 21 year old or 11 year old or 7 year old I just feel so alive I feel so whole so it's really never too late to do that and but the second thing is um Provided that it's not the only thing, provided that you are still strengthening them from the inside out, the second thing is to actually have a, a conversation with them. And you know what I have found that works pretty well is looking for videos or stories of um, people who have been highly successful, um, who have this very sensitive nature. Um, you know, if you, if, you, if you go on YouTube, you could probably find a few of those. I don't have any links for you, but um, just to get them to see that how, how very successful people have used their um, sensitivity instead of running away from it and, it and it became a part of their success. And the other thing is that if it's a mom or a dad who, or both sometimes, who are sensitive, is to share what it has meant for you with them. Mm -hmm. Something like, I would, in my own sharing, I told my children that I've run away from my sensitivity for years. 
I tried to hide from it and um, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel real to me. I felt like I was play acting. I was acting mm. a role. It wasn't really me. And then as soon as I went back to being the really sensitive me, the most marvelous things happened to me. It became my gift. I, I was um, taken around the world to speak to people. It, it's what I do now. And I could never do what I do now if I hadn't re-owned my sensitivity. Mm. There's so much power in that story. As soon as you went back to yourself, the most marvelous things happened. Mm. Our boys are no different than us. They grow up surrounded by all these messages of how they should be in the world. And so often they, they try and follow those messages. But we are each here with unique gifts. And those unique gifts point us towards our unique genius, the difference we can make in the world. If I'm busy trying to be what everybody else is, that's not helpful to the world. It hurts me. And you're right. Sometimes we need to have those conversations with our boys. I mean, Janet, you know, we cannot expect them to sit down and have a deep heart to heart with us on this when they're 10 years old. But you can mention these things in passing as you see things on the news or on TV, right? Mm. Absolutely. Mm. And again, it's back to what Sandy said about this, this a visioning board, if we call it that, um, of your child and, and just kind of having that in your consciousness that it will come I'm sure there will be many opportunities to just have those quick little snippets of yes. oh my gosh you are so funny I love your jokes or mm. whatever whatever it is that we can just have that as part of in our parenting toolbox and it's at the ready all the time yes a very specific example with this child of mine child slash young man at this point um He's always been very sensitive to music. He's loved music, lyrics, uh, the feeling of the music. And Janet, you know, because you've heard me talk about him, you know, he, he did music in high school and college, and he's currently studying music business. And he's looking at his focus being uh, something at the intersection of music business, the songwriting aspect of it, the business side of the songwriting, not necessarily writing it himself. Oh. But it all plays in there because you know the song's power when you are sensitive to that, when you feel that. So because he is sensitive, he can have an intuition, if you want, about a song in a way that somebody who isn't that kind of sensitive wouldn't. Yeah, very, very much so. And that could make him successful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he needs to own that he's doing that. Yes, yes, and... I need to uh, go back to not taking on everybody else's feelings and I need to deal with my stuff and his stuff is his stuff. And yes, I can be his mom, but I can't take it all on myself either. No, you, very profound. You cannot. It is his journey. And if you try to interfere with his journey, you will make it harder for him. So that board that I spoke about, I call it the unique identity board. Mm. Because I like it. everybody's uh, board will be uniquely different. And um, I do want to say one more thing in terms of the conversation that we were talking about that Janet just said we can introduce anywhere as part of our everyday uh, when we see something, as part of our parenting toolbox. That conversation, according to, neuro, uh, to neuroscience, neuroplasticity, it needs to be uh, 20, 20 uh, seconds long. Ah, 
So yes, that's the interesting part. If you say, you're so funny, you make me laugh. I love it. I just feel so good. The brain will not encode it. It's too short. So we want the brain to encode and hold that um, conversation because it's going to become part of our our core being, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, who we are. And it will be in a neural pathway and then it will be in our DNA and in our bones. So in order for the brain to encode the message of who I am coming from mom or dad, hopefully from both, um, it needs to be a minimum of 20 seconds. So I say 30 seconds is better. I'm fine with 20 seconds. And it needs, so I teach because you know you'd be surprised how long 20 seconds is when you're talking about your funny and you've got a good sense of humor. It's like, okay, I'm not five you're seconds. You're like, in, five in seconds. <laughs> So I I teach that what you do is you identify the characteristic that you love and that you're seeing. You point out that it was happening right in front of you right now. You see, there it is. So they can, especially the younger kids, so that they can connect the characteristic with what behavior they just displayed. And then you move into the future. uh, So, you know, having that kind of... um, sense of humor it's going to be so useful to you in the future people love being around someone who's funny people will gravitate towards you you will enjoy making others laugh they will enjoy being around you it's something you can maybe do something with in the future so it's a great a great characteristic to have now we're into 20 seconds mm-hmm. only have you shown them the current behavior and reality of it, you've also shown them the benefit in the future. So that formula, just to recap, because it's really valuable. Number one, identify the characteristic. This is your big picture. What is that thing that you see in them? Number two, current. What did you just see right now? Describe that behavior, what you enjoyed about it, what happened. Number three, future. How can this characteristic benefit the child in the future? So characteristic, current, future. That's pretty easy to remember. Perfect. Well done. (laughs) Well done, Jen. Again, easy to do while I'm on the podcast. We'll see how things go this afternoon at home, ladies. (laughs) Always going to go very well. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We'll project into the future for you, Jen. (laughs) <laughs> it's going to go so very well. I love well. it. We're putting, it, we're putting it. intention out for you. An intention with a powerful emotion will come back to you. I love it. Thank yeah. you. Oh, Sandy, as always, an enlightening conversation. I just love your ability to bring neuroscience into actual practical reality and how we can support our sensitive boys and our own sensitive selves too. Mm -hmm. I think we tend to beat ourselves up about that and, and just the reassurance today of we all have our gifts and recognizing those gifts, helping our children see their, their, who they are in the world. Go forth and be sensitive. (laughs) 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 that's from three sensitive women out to the world right there right yes look at us we survived (laughs) and we thrived not survived the if we have just a moment 
the issue that you brought up, a lot of us moms are sensitive humans, Mm. which means we take it even more personally when things happen with our boys. So a big part of this is dealing with and owning our own sensitivity, doing our own work. And we've said that before, Janet, but I never thought of it in this particular context. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and, and to take it just a step further, Jen, to speak about it as you're doing it with your children. Mm. So say, you know, I was a little nervous this morning about, um, I was being interviewed and I felt a little nervous. I wondered if it would go well. But um, I told myself, actually, I'm pretty smart. And so it went really well, showing them that you are sensitive and yet at the same time, you are a strong human being who is moving forward, loving life, feeling good about who you are. Yeah, that's really important, I think, to be a narrator for these qualities so that our kids can actually see because we do so much inner work and our kids don't see it. So when we can narrate it for them, then they, oh, oh, mom feels like that too. Because kids don't think adults get nervous or scared or all the things. I have to tell you, I made a note because I'm going to steal it from you. I love that way you put it is that we need to be the narrator um, of what we're doing, not just do the inner work, but to narrate what we're doing and um, let them see this, um, uh, that we're living this. Yes. To be the living example of being a sensitive person who's still strong. We need to do that. And it also triggered for me is that there's so many moms and dads who visit with me and we do these sessions, but they don't want the children to know. Mm -hmm. And I keep telling them, you know, you really need to tell your children that you are doing the most amazing thing. You're learning how to be the very best version of who you are and be proud of it. No, no, I don't want them to think that I'm weak or, you know, so how can they narrate it if they won't even talk about it? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a loss. It's a loss for the children. That information is so powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I love talk, having Sandy on here simply because at the most basic level, she tells me I'm amazing and that what I'm doing is amazing. And I like hearing those things from other people. Don't if I. your words can do that for me, and we have never even met in person, parents, think how powerful your words to your sons are. When you see and recognize, embrace, value his sensitivity, that is going to make a difference in his ability to feel good about himself and navigate the world from a position of strength and self-confidence. Wonderful. Yay. Sandy, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we look forward to continuing this conversation. Thank you so much, ladies. I love you guys. Same to you. As always, thank you for joining us for another amazing and enlightening conversation that has real-time practical applications. And don't forget about Amy Lang's offer. You know, Amy Lang is our sex expert, and she is the one who will guide you to having healthy, relationship conversations 
and the solution center is the place to go. I use it, Jen uses it, and we know that you will find information there that is spot on for you. So go to birdsandbeescourse.com and use the coupon code ONBOYS for that discount. That's birdsandbeescourse.com. Enjoy, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.